good people. What's happening out there in the universe? It's Reg. It's Stone. And it's the musical hour. We talk about the sounds, the vibes, <laughs> the things <laughs> coming through your AirPods as you walk through these streets, bopping along, oblivious to the world around you as everything crashes and burns. Yo, that quiet storm voice. I try. Real. I try. I'm gonna try to. <laughs> I'm trying to get on some of those jazz cruises, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sit out there, it's me and Al Jarreau going out there. There's someone for you sexy ladies out there. Some Luther Vandross. But uh, no, nah, man, it's, 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 been, uh, it's been a fun week out there. You know, we, we met Gala, you know. Yeah, we were there. We were there, it was great. You know, I was yeah. out there hollering at Cardi B. Offset kind of, you know, had his goons throw me off stage. Yeah, it was a little tough, you know. but you know. I could deal with that, my ego, you know what I'm saying? You always got to shoot your shot when you're in the moment. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, man, it's been, uh, I don't know, um, for the most part, it's been a transitional week, I think, because it's that weird period of time. Because I feel like there's like weird, there's like three dead zones of music. Yeah. So we've got the beginning of the year where it's like, you know, all your holiday releases came out. Mm-hmm. You're waiting for it to get a little warm and then things start trickling in into March and Feb, March, you know, March, February. Then you have this other weird lull now because all the summer releases come out. And then you have the other weird lull right before the holidays. So yeah. we're kind of in that weird lull where I think the only real big record coming out in the near future is going to be Tyler. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but that's not to say that the musical happenings aren't happening. True, true. I, I mean, I, I am kind of wondering who's going to own the summer because last summer was ridiculous. Even though I would say nobody really owned that summer, like everybody in the mother put out records last summer. Oh yeah, so. absolutely. It was it, it was Pusha T. It was it was Drake. It was you know ASAP Rocky, which I still think is heavily underrated. By yeah, the way, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, the Carters. Yeah, the yeah. Carters. Wow, yeah. the albums we forgot. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, we're 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 uh, kind of stringing things along, <laughs> <laughs> searching for content. No, no, no. The, the, the people don't need to know about that. We have some content for you today. Yes. Uh, we're getting to the 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 midpoint of the year of 2019. Good lord, and uh, I think it's a good time to look back at the months that were, of all the musical happenings that happened. We'll, and, uh, we'll, we'll only grow if we look towards the past so we learn from those mistakes. That's right. That's you know? right. And, that, and that's the goal here for us to go look back there and see what's see the things that have been done and how we can improve on it, you know, how we can move forward, how we can build a better musical society for us all. Hands across America, people. Damn, son. Hands across America. Red for president. I know, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> One of the 500 other Democrats. Yeah, I mean, you might as well. I might as well. You uh, might as well. All right, me. <laughs> I'm forming a pack right now. <laughs> oh man! So all right, so let, let's go. Uh, let's our kick top, it off. Our top five musical moments. Dun, dun, dun. Um, starting at number five. Uh, you want to kick this off? Uh, well, I'll, I'll kick oh, it your, off. Your five is like blank on the on the on the document. Well, true, true. My five. You know, I was a little, a little late. A little late on my five. <laughs> but I, I feel like we have one one musical moment that we have in common as a son of immigrants. There was a story that touched me earlier this year. I think we all kind of forgot about a lowly boy who who came here, you know, who immigrated from England on these lowly shores, arrived in Atlanta, hat in hand, and built himself up, you know, on the streets of Atlanta into a popular rapper. And he was cruelly, cruelly deprived of his rights Mm. by ICE. Mm. You know what I'm saying? 
out there, you know. Give me, give me, you know, what, 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 Ellis Allen, you know what I'm saying? What, what, this is America that we live in where you can't be a young trap rapper out there <laughs> trap rapping. <laughs> Talking about my man, 21 Savage. 21 Savage. 21 Savage. <laughs> Coming out here, yo, 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 hem my men up by ice. Sir you know, 21 how many, Savage. How many rappers out there can be like, yo, you know, could be like, they could be the feds, it could be like SWAT, they could be like the hip hop <laughs> cops. How many rappers out there can claim ice hemmed them up? You know what I'm saying? Real talk. It's, 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 I'm, I'd have a I'd have an ice mixtape after this, <laughs> <laughs> or not because it might arrest you again. But still, in theory. But uh, it's it's you know we all we all kind of joke, but it was it's gonna happen. I believe in March, yeah. where Twenty One Savage dropped. Uh, you know, coming well off a successful album release, dropped a new video, kind of poking dots, little darts and dots at Ice, and then a week later. My man's was hemmed up with his cousin, Young Nudie, who also had a great record recently. That's all the side story. And uh, yeah, in jail. Literally jail. Ice tweeting out, this is like he's on a real, he's not really from the streets type kind of subtweets. It was a very scary time in internet. Yeah, no. The, the, I mean, I did not put that as my number one. But I do have to say that that was probably uh, one of the most surprising things in rap. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like well, number one it shows like kind of like the links of law enforcement where it used to be the hip-hop cops and yeah you're right now now it's ice yeah and now we gotta fear ice now it's gotta be checking to see my papers <laughs> <laughs> you know but uh but yeah i mean look like we, we've talked about this before i mean 21 savage is the most atlanta rapper and to have 21 savage beef in the uk i think it was a little bit surreal the internet didn't think it was like real at the time, and then like when they're like, "Yeah, this is real." Like the memes just went oh, crazy. hilarious, hilarious, hilarious. And you know, look, I know people were like mad because they were making light of the situation, but you know, I don't know. I mean, it never felt like it was like like trying to make fun of Twenty One Savage. It's just making fun of the fact that this dude's from the UK and. <laughs> We had no idea the situation, and the even situation, yeah, yeah. And even he, he was giving like interviews afterwards. He's like, I even found it funny. He's like, it's it's a serious situation, but even I found those kind of things funny. And like I said, it it was just something that was kind of interesting because it covers a lot of the lot of things I think that are kind of very poignant. Obviously, ice is a very big thing. I also think is the idea of because apparently it was a sting to catch Young Nudie, mm. um, and. It goes back to the idea of where you had Rolling Loud this weekend where a 1,001 rappers got hemmed up. You had basically um, Kodak Black basically get caught up in gun charges. Jeez. You had Lil Wayne where he showed up. They, they, they were trying to frisk him hard, so he left the premises. You know, it is, and then it's and it, we're in this weird space of where it feels that hip-hop has reached this mainstream penetration where, you know, they're out there, they're doing commercials, they're doing collaborations with, like, fucking with pop stars. you got Snoop and Martha Stewart, you know, running two cooking shows together. But there's still this kind of, it's still a weird space where you see, basically, the invisible hand of the law getting leveraged against black people just because this is America. <laughs> yeah, no, no, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, and again, with, like, 21, it's just like, I almost feel like they they couldn't maybe find anything to to throw at him, so they're just like digging in in the shit, you know. Oh yeah. And I mean, I mean, I guess like I haven't followed up with that case, but I mean, he's still in the country. He's still in the country. And I remember because I remember when it first happened, the lawyer was like, you know, because it was 2019. They were like, we have actually applied and did all the paperwork a couple of years ago. It's you guys that are taking forever. Of course. But as far as what we've done, we've done. 
the steps to make, you know, try to get him legal. So it's one of those things where, and not to be funny, when you kind of watch a lot of these big cases that come out and it's just like, oh, well, we arrested this, you know, this huge, you know, acute, you know, this future terrorist and this crazy sting and yada, yada, yada. And when you kind of read between the lines, unfortunately, a lot of times it's basically these law enforcement groups kind of just, you know, looking for quick and easy wins just to get a press release and just look good on their, their virtual resume, to be honest with you. Like a lot of corporate places where it's not anything substantial. It's just like, oh, you know, we kept the quote-unquote bad guy off the streets where, not to be funny, you know, a- after hanging out with Amber Rose doing slut walks, I don't think anybody was really afraid of 21 Savage. No, true. Yeah. And, but I think, like, you know, one of, like, the, the most interesting things about this is, like, you know, Hip hop has never really kind of dealt with. We've always dealt with like the SWAT teams and the war and drugs and like you know. I think people who are in the hip hop community did, did thought that ICE was like that's a border thing, right? Yeah, that's something like with the Mexicans and like you know obviously that's not the case. And there's other people who are from you know not just like you know say Central America or South America, even like the African diaspora, like people from Canada I know that yeah, got hemmed yeah. up and deported. Yeah, you know? MF Doom. MF Doom, MF was, Doom was, was not allowed in the country. Rick. Yeah. Like so this is not just like this is you know, this is a hip hop problem too. It's not just like a, a immigrant quote unquote like, yeah. you know, like Mexican immigrant problem. Yeah, it's it's interse- intersectionality of it all because the idea is that it's still, you know, these laws are being leveraged Again, it's not to be funny. POCs of all stars and stripes. Just because you know it's, there's a there's a Muslim face to it, just because there's a Latino face to it, doesn't mean as again, this is America. This is America. <laughs> you know, the, the, our, their favorite target tends to you know have have a little little darker skin. That's all I'm saying. So yeah. it's it's obvious that the fact that these laws will get leveraged against people like him too. So even though it was funny and it was kind of uh, you know we love the jokes, there's bigger issues there, and I think it was good. Like you said, the idea of that is kind of happened. Yeah. Not to say we'll have to see anybody. Get arrested but the fact that he's free and is putting visibility towards it and he was out there doing interviews with major you know news channels talking about it i think it's a great thing and it kind of gives gives more visibility that we're kind of all in it together yeah so yeah you know so it's it's it's, you know it's a it's something where you mix you know lemonade lemons lemonade out of lemons basically yeah yeah Yeah. so uh so yeah let's talk about number four uh so i have my number four Mm -hmm. drake coming out and shitting on the on the grammys at the grammys you have a number four. You have the rise of Megan Thee Stallion and Tough Girl, Girl Rap. Both valid, uh, valid things that happened uh, at, at the fourth slot here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I think, like, the Drake coming out of the Grammys, like, I think it wasn't as big as I thought it would be in terms of just cultural impact. Um, I thought that it would be more of a, you know, people would kind of grasp onto that and, and really kind of take its words to heart. Um, I don't feel like this. I mean, we have so much shit go- coming at us in our culture that's hard to grasp grasp on it. But I do have to say, it was a really cool thing, and it's a really cool. You know, we're we're at this point now where it's not just people behind a computer, behind a laptop. You know, like speaking truth to power on Twitter. It's like now you have celebrities speaking truth to power. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, the Grammys need Drake more than Drake needs the Grammys. So it's kind of cool to see celebrities kind of leveraging that because you, you, you see a lot of celebrities maybe, you know, go after Trump and things like that, but they're not going to go after the 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 machine that feeds them. Yeah. Yeah. Like the hand that feeds them, you know, like they're not going to go, you know, against like these musical institutions. So it was really cool for Drake to, to do that. And I feel like the way it was orchestrated, 
it felt like so last minute, like basically Drake saying, Hey, I'm going to be here. You know, if I'm a, if I win the award, I'll say something. You know, because he kind of came through a trap door. <laughs> <laughs> Just teleported <laughs> in. You know, because, like, you know, Drake never attends the Grammys. So they announce his name. You're like, okay, who, you know, he's not going to show up. And you're going to come through this trap door <laughs> and says what he has to say. And then he gets cut off. You know, so it's kind of interesting to kind of see that. And I, you know, I wish for more of that. Yeah, and I and I think going back to the idea of where, like you said, you, you don't think it made as much buzz as it is. I think that's the issue is the idea of where the Grammys are becoming an afterthought. Where you know, back in the days, it was it was a big honor to show up for the Grammys, and yeah. like you said, they need Drake more than they need him, and and so I mean more than he needs them. And it's the idea of where you know you've got to kind of come and start meeting these artists halfway. Like it was fucked up with Ariana Grande where they got into that whole Twitter spat. With, with, oh yeah, on some yeah. like, oh well, she was ready to perform, and she was like, bitch, I'm always ready to perform. It's you assholes that were. Yeah. trying to fucking fuck up my vision and I and I think it's nice to kind of see these artists kind of take over and honestly to save them from their fucking selves yeah. because let's be honest all the moments we think about from you know the Grammys to MTV to etc etc none of those moments were fucking scripted those are moments that happened magically the night of you know for good and bad you yeah. know when you go, when you look at other award ceremonies like Golden Golden Globe, there's a reason why in Golden Globe they keep those that alcohol flowing all night. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It makes for things off the cup and more natural. And it's I think it's a little bit unfortunate where a lot of these institutions are so basically they have their heads up and the ass so much that they kind of forget what makes these things kind of important. Is the idea of where you've got an audience at home watching these stars on TV, a basically showing up showing off why they are stars and B kind of being human at the same time, you know, getting these awards, crying, thanking their moms, you know, yeah. things like that. So, you know, props to Drake, Drake, yeah. Drake's going to come out there and yeah. going to have to te- teach y'all, you know what I'm saying? Become the executive <laughs> producer or something because you guys are kind of messing up out there. And, and on my point, just quickly, um, generally hip hop has had trends where female rappers are cool and they become uncool. So it's like a window opens up for like, you know, six months, three months, where two or three female rappers pop up. You know, then it, then the industry kind of decides like we're keeping just this one female rapper yeah. and return the rest of the store. Um, what's been happening, because we're now probably, let's say, because hmm, I feel like um, Invasion of Privacy, Cardi B came out like maybe in, I think, February of last year. Let's yeah. say February. So let's say February came out. Let's say Cardi B, Cardi B blow up was around, let's say, fall of the year before. So from fall 2017 up until now, you've had this bubbling movement of female rappers kind of coming through from Tierra Wack to like Megan Thee Stallion to No Name. You know, all these this diverse this class of female MCs. And they're just kind of glowing up more and more and more and more and more. And it's kind of cool to kind of see hip-hop kind of become more inclusive. As we were discussing before, there's still corners where you don't really see that many young female rappers. Like, I feel like the SoundCloud rap definitely is a space where there definitely should have been more female rappers kind of blowing up from there. Yeah. It's not. Although, in hindsight, saying it out loud, it's also probably peak toxic masculinity. (laughs) (laughs) There are reasons for it. Yeah, there's a reason. (laughs) But I think it's very healthy to kind of see much more of a female perspective in hip-hop and as glowing and as blowing up. So, you know, I think that for me... It's the, the more diverse hip hop gets, you know, particularly for something that should have been there and that has been, because there's always been female MCs, female producers, female DJs, female break dancers. They kind of see female graffiti artists. So they kind of see that kind of coming more to the forefront. It's always a good thing for the culture. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely, definitely. And, and, you know, it's just like, like it, it, you know, we talked about Rico Nasty and, you know, it's just kind of really cool that you 
you can carve your own lane, especially like Tierra Whack. Yeah. Like, she has a whole lane all to herself. Like, and you can live there and you can, you can do your thing, you know? And then, but Megan the Stallion the same way. Like, even though Megan the Stallion, like, the archetype is maybe a Trina archetype. Like, the fact that she has this kind of like split personality <laughs> with like Tina Snow and like that's, you know, like, that's a really interesting, you know, way to bring something new and something fresh to maybe an archetype that has existed for like the past 20 years. So, yeah. so yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really cool to see, you know, you know, these ladies and females making their, their way. Um, and again, you know, shit, hip hop is hip hop going hip hop, but it, it's, you know, we're breaking down the barriers slowly, but surely, yep. which is uh, always a good thing. Always a good thing. Um, so I'm actually going to piggyback on that because I have on my, my, my number three is, uh, speaking of breaking down barriers, uh, Lizzo. Lizzo. Yeah. So we talked about Lizzo. We love Lizzo. Uh, Lizzo is becoming a pop star. And again, like, you don't see a pop star who is, you know, she calls herself fat, you know, obese, overweight, whatever you want to call it. Like, that archetype does not exist, you know, and now she's kind of popping up everywhere. Yeah, and and going back to the archetype is, like, she's somebody where, you know, <laughs> piggybacking off here, have you heard about the Loquisha movie that's coming out? No. There's a movie that came out called Loquisha where basically it looks like this, I'm hoping it's all right, dude. Made a movie about how he wanted to get a radio station job. Oh, yeah. yeah. But going back to the idea of where you have this loud, dark-skinned, black woman archetype, and you've got Lizzo, where she's the exact opposite. She's very sexually open, but she's friendly. She's fun. There's something where it's cool about Lizzo is a representation matters where she's a fully formed person as opposed to a lot of these archetypes, particularly of, let's say, you know, your, your, your women of a certain size who are of color. You know, they're always big, they're always mean, they're always, they're always loud, they're always yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But Lizzo's the exact opposite. And not to say anything, because she's fucking human. There, it's, it's see something that breaks that stereotype. And not to say, again, to that respectability politics kind of thing, it's kind of cool to kind of see somebody play in a lane of, let's say, arguably even, let's say, a young Ariana Grande, yeah. a young little, you know, crossover, you know, I won't say Missy Elliott, but, you know, a, a, that little corner of where, you know, hip-hop and, like, pop meet, and, you know, there's these beats, and there's some, also some ballads. You know, it's a lane that's been filled with, to be funny, to be honest with you, a lot of skinny, pretty women who fit a certain European standard. Even yeah. if they're black, they're a certain level oh, of, of black that's, you know, like, you know, your Alicia Keys, your, you know, there's a certain kind of acceptable level of where, you know, you can imagine it's, like, 55-year-old, you know, Baby boomer white guy, like I'd fuck her type shit. Yeah. And so it's cool to kind of see Lizzo kind of break through that and it still be, you know, sensual, sexual, still be twerking, but still put up put up a dope ass fucking, you know, Motown ballad and wrap her ass off and play the fucking flute. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that same 55 year old white guy <laughs> would probably say the same thing, you know? Um, and yeah, that was really cool. Like, apparently, uh, she's doing some type of new collaboration or EP with Charlie XCX. Um, Lizzo, and then like she was at the Met Gala, you know. So uh, yeah, no, like like it's really cool to see the glow up, um, and especially for people who've been following her for the past like five years. And it's it's she is the pop star we need for 2019. Yes, so, 
uh, yeah, happy to see it. Happy to see it. And, you know, we probably should have caught her in a bit a while ago because now I don't think it's going to be expensive as shit to catch her. Yo, she's playing Radio City. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah two now. nights. Oh, First fuck. First night sold out. Fuck. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. She got in a wave early, man. You know, I should have been like, hey, hey, Ma. <laughs> Yo, Ma. You know, I'm a big fan, long time. Give me them tickets. Man, yeah, I'm sure she played like Mercury Lounge like five years ago. Yeah, no, now you see what happens? Yeah, when you sleep. <laughs> I'm going to go to, I think, something we kind of both kind of, well, for, I guess, it's not on my list, but it's it's a it's something that I think we both feel close towards our hearts. The rise of arguably the greatest country star in probably the last 50 years, the future Willie Nelson, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> If somehow I could have Dolly Parton, Willie Nelson could have a baby together, you know, and it, and come out learning to chops Billy Ray Cyrus, the, the the foretold country messiah, Lil Nas X. Still the number one song in the country. Still the number one song in the country. You know what I'm saying? Breaking barriers out here. You know what I'm saying? Country yeah, no. swag. You know what I'm saying? It's, this is the reason why you're going to... This is the reason why, and I know you motherfuckers out there, when you're getting ready for your little day parties and shit, when the summer comes out, you know, trying try to look a little cute for the ladies, some of y'all going to try to rock a fucking cowboy hat, and he's the fucking reason why. Of course. You know what I'm saying? Of course. And so it, it's, it's just kind of cool to kind of see, again, just total, total, total combo breaker of a person. You know, 19, black, Atlanta, you know... Just basically this this who ride <laughs> who ride who ride straight through the country genre <laughs> and put everybody in their place and and particularly a place like Nashville which kind of had it coming for a long time. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And, and again, you know, I feel like 2019 is like this 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 year where like and I've, I've we've seen it before. We've seen like artists kind of break these barriers before, but I feel like there's something about this. And you know, I'll piggyback on Lizzo, like you know, Lizzo, and like you know, it's like. Not only can you just drop music on streaming and be like famous, right? Which is like, you know, that's the SoundCloud era, right? Like you can drop like you know a track on SoundCloud and get ten million, million views and get like you know book a tour, say on the East Coast. Now it's like you can get famous and you become a pop star. Like you can like ride in the same lanes as a Beyonce or you know a Drake or whatever. You can own those like <laughs> Billboard. <laughs> You know, Hot 100 charts. And that's, that, to me, is, like, really cool. And, you know, Lil Nas X is just, you know, again, he f- fell into this track, but I think he, rep- like, he represents something more than just, you know, like, that one song. He represents this whole cross-culture collaboration. He represents, you know, you know, just the fact that black people can do anything. Like he, he represents a lot. And I, and I feel like it's just kind of really cool to see that. Um, and again, like it's, it's, I, I don't know what, what else he has up his sleeve. I know the video is dropping this week, but it, I'm glad to see like this, this track is still number one. Like this track is still going. It's still out there. So it's not, <laughs> Never a, to die. it's not a fluke. It's yeah. Not a fluke, so and and I think it's the idea of where and it's and the thing is genre was always kind of nonsense and you know we, we we could always go back to years ago how there was the idea of race music and it kept it kind of everything kind of separated but I think particularly in the last let's say let's say the last ten years where you had like Just Blaze doing EDM sets or you have like fucking you know Juicy J showing up doing songs with pop stars you know these walls have been coming down for a minute and. Obviously, Nashville is a little more closed off than usual, but these worlds are still evident in a lot of the little genres. So it's kind of cool to kind of see, like, again, like, like 
like not to be funny, like Ariana biting off Amigos flow for her track. You know what I'm saying? Course. So it's kind of cool to kind of see that get re- reflect also on the charts as opposed to being blocked off, which is why I think everybody kind of flipped out when Billboard kind of arbitrarily said, oh, this is not country music because nah, fuck you, dude. This is a country song. Why are you pigeonholing this artist? And I think as we kind of move forward in music and, you know, because music is flat now. Everybody has access to streaming and everybody sampling from this and yada, yada, yada. The idea of where, well, this is going to be, this is an indie rock song. And this, this is, this is an ADM song. Those barriers is breaking, you know, left and right. Like even when you read like uh, like a lot of the song credits, you'll see EDM producers working on oh, indie yeah. rock records. And, you know, it's nothing's really clear cut anymore the way it should be. It's all about really good music. And ideally, I think, as and particularly was when you go to like, like Spotify. Spotify doesn't give no fucks. Spotify is like, here's a, here's here's the popular songs, period. Yeah. Yeah. SoundCloud, here's popular songs, period. There's how many streams they got. That's that's all that matters. That's not like this is the kind of stream this is how many streams you've gotten from the urban audience. There's no such thing there. I mean, you know, and, and this actually should have been on my list, but you know, like now you have like like all these Korean, these K pop artists. Oh like, yeah. Taking like, over. Taking over the charts and also like selling out arenas and stuff. Like selling out like Madison Square Garden and selling selling out like Dodger Stadium. So and that's a direct result of uh, Spotify. And, you know, the, I'm sure like four or five years ago, there's some gatekeepers like Americans will never listen to anything <laughs> not in English. America. <laughs> <laughs> keep, keep that, that Korean stuff out there. I don't like that kimchi stuff. America will only listen to Taylor Swift <laughs> and Katy Perry. <laughs> Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really kind of cool to see that. Um, yeah. Shouts out to all those artists. Shouts out. And, uh, on my end, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about some of my, two of my favorite documentaries of 2019. One, obviously, uh, Queen Beyonce. Somehow last year she was able to have basically the concert of the century and basically repackage it, make a lot of money off of it and sell it back again. Once again, taking over all the hearts and minds of black folks. <laughs> Me and you were at an event um, a week ago and they were playing the Before I Let Go remix of Beyonce. Which is whack. And, which is whack, but... It's whack. No, those the girls are twerking. No, those the crowd was singing along. No, it's, I know. It's, it's, I know. It is what it is. You know? I know. It is kind of cool to kind of see like Beyonce kind of, you know, it's in a, in a place where we kind of become too cynical to have superstars. It's cool to see a superstar still be a superstar. Oh yeah, no, definitely, definitely. She's definitely that old school pop star where it's like I am all media. I am like you know everywhere but nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> and she hasn't had an album in like like it's like this is because yeah it's like two, two, years, two years ago. Two and years. It, and then she still ruled last year and she still ruled this year. So yeah, yeah, yeah crazy. <laughs> and then the other is my personal favorite. You know, I love the Misery Docs. So my two favorite documentaries were both the Netflix and the Hulu version of that Fire Festival doc. <laughs> Basically, yeah, how to not throw any kind of event or how to swindle, either or. <laughs> um, both of them kind of, I think, showcased where we're at as far as the concerts are concerned, as far as these crazy, huge wannabe Coachellas, because they've been falling left and right for a minute. You had the FYE Fest that kind of got canceled yeah. a couple of years ago. You've got a couple of other festivals that kind of been falling to the wayside and they got pushed away or will come back next year. And even this year, because I know you had Governor's, Governor's Ball. What are the New York City concerts? Governor's Ball. Uh, 
The Meadows. Me- which is R.I.P. This is R.I.P. Like, it's it's already, we've kind of hit peak concert, and you can kind of see that from the lineups. Yeah. Because uh, they generally tend to be the same, you know. It feels like this year is Childish Gambino. Yeah. It's like, at a certain point, it's Cage the Elephant is always in one of these concerts. <laughs> at a certain point, it's like you kind of hit this kind of, you know, this overflow where even, like, Woodstock 50 apparently might or might not be happening. Who knows? But you've got these festivals that kind of are, it feels weird to have the people seem to have, like, we'll throw a music festival. Yeah. But without any purpose, any love, any idea, anything to differentiate it. It's just like, oh, we're just going to throw a festival just because. Yeah. And so I think the Fire Festival kind of shows the, you know, even though they kind of alluded to just regular scamming and social media and yada, 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 I think where those both those festivals were really smart at is pointing towards the idea of where it's kind of hard to do something creative where the whole factor behind it is all materialistic. Like, there's no artistry to it. Yeah. It's just basically commerce. And I think with the Fire Festival docs kind of showed you that with the festivals that have kind of been popping up here and there that were kind of hit that point. And I think it's time we kind of go backwards a little bit. I think even the Coachella, where it's kind of become overbrand in a, in a concert, not to say it's going to go out of business anytime soon, but at a certain point, it's going to be diminishing returns. And you really can't sell, you know, $500 tickets and all these packages and yada, 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 because there's only X amount. You've already had your Beyonce a couple of years ago. You know, I think it's the idea for all these festivals to kind of think a little deeper about what it means to be a festival and not just like fucking, you know, we'll get Tool and Jay-Z and, you know, Danny <laughs> Brown will play the second stage and all this other shit. I think it's the idea of where, how do you, you know, you've got an audience that's thirsty for live music, but you guys aren't doing anything original with it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and I do have to say about the Fire Festival documentaries, I didn't think I needed to watch both and ended up watching both. And I was presently surprised that I was not mad at that. Oh, you know, they're, they're actually both, and I watch a lot of documentaries, they're both definitely good-ass documentaries. Like, they're, yeah. they're, they're well-made and different angles. And and like you said, who thought you needed four hours Exactly. Firefest? Exactly. But for some reason, it, it made sense. And and I, I think it kind of showcases, you know, the bigger picture here is that I hope that as we kind of move forward as a society, I don't know, society, I make it sound, there's a lot of real things happening out there. But on the smaller scale, I think is as we kind of move forward together as a people and you've got people's hard-earned blood money that they've worked these jobs that they can't take and they want to take that money and do something nice. Even if they have to be, you know, rich as at least a lot of, because one thing I thought about the fire Festival was the when it originally happened, the idea where these were all rich influencers. Yeah. But then definitely you watch some things where they're like, yo, actually save money to go here. Honestly, it didn't seem that expensive if you do the math to go away. Because, you know, if a Coachella is 500 bucks ticket to get in, yeah. you really can't, you know, the Fire Festival to Coachella, it's, it's not that much of a price difference overall. And you get to stay on the beach. So, and free room board and everything else. So, whatever. I, I, I think it's it's a, it was a great showcase of, you know, the, the business side of music and how that could also be very tainted. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And if you if you're doing a festival and you see the shit going south, pull the plug. Yeah, please. Yeah, well, um, Just pull the plug. Shouts to Woodstock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there's this cat I know who did like try to do the New York Pizza Festival, and that shit went south. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Just just pull the plug. It's and it's unfair, guys, because like you know, it's 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 you know, you need to you need to scam better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like like you're going to take the L either way. Yeah, so and, just just save everybody. 
the misery and just pull the plug. Exactly. You know, you can buy some stock photos, put on Instagram, <laughs> act like it actually happened. Like, here's me and my bro, you know, copy and paste, you know, Drake next to you. Like, we're, me and Drake here at the pizza party, chilling. But there's no reason to, reason to go kind of go out there and just basically waste everybody's time and hard-earned money because for a lot of people, that's that's their night out. They, yeah. they babysitters, kids, plans, work off, and you just fuck them over. Yeah. That makes you a bad person. True that. True that. And uh, another moment, and I think kind of going, probably wrapping this all up, a sad moment, would be the death of Nipsey Hussle. Yeah. Um, obviously, it still weighs heavily. I was at a, a, a symposium recently a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, you know, people were still crying about it. Um, for me, obviously, it's always a negative thing where somebody dies, and particularly somebody of color, somebody doing big things. But as we discussed before, what kind of gave me hope was the fact of where, you know, it's this is the first time in my lifetime where somebody, you know, somebody from the culture, somebody from the culture dies in early death. And it's not, well, oh, he had it coming, he was a gangbanger, he was a bad person, you know, his is rap sheets, like, I don't, like, you know, there was no rap sheet of him. Yeah. It was very much like, the, you know, the police chief was like, this is a loss, everybody kind of came together. It's one of the few times where I think that we've kind of turned a corner in hip-hop where it's like, oh, we've got to appreciate these these guys when they're here. It's not just like, oh, shit, you know, so-and-so died, let me get a t-shirt with him spray-painted R.A.P. under it. It's the culture was affected. The culture shifted, and it was cool to kind of see everybody kind of, I guess, you know, close the wagons together and be like, "Yo, this is our fallen brother. Let's all give him respect." So for me, it's a, definitely a, obviously a bad thing, but it was cool to kind of see how society as large has changed and how they view quote unquote rappers. Yeah, and that that this is my number one musical moment of uh, 2019, um, and that not not the murder. Obviously, but you know, yeah, the community coming together, you know, this was kind of like a rose growing from concrete, you know, in a lot of ways. Where, yes, you have this tragic thing and you have this tragic, you know, kind of heartbreaking loss, but you also have, again, like people from the community coming together, like people, you know, I did not know they have STEM uh, center, like a science and technology center they launched in Compton. And now I know, you know, and, and now a lot of people know, and now a lot of people are empowered, not, and, you know, they're going back to, and, you know, listening to his interviews and things like that. And I, he did a lot to kind of educate people about entrepreneurship and, you know, building wealth in their, their communities. And I, I, a lot of that stuff existed before, um, but now it just seems like, unfortunately in his death, you know, like the there is now a new opportunity for people to re-engage with with some of the things that he was the knowledge he was spreading um so it's very tragic that he passed away um you know and obviously you know he's problematic in some ways in terms of like his views on like homosexuality and things like that but there's this really cool opportunity now for us as a culture to to you know move forward um and there's a lot of people i think that if they weren't maybe trying to build up their communities, like unfortunately, the unfortunately, but fortunately, like this death has kind of like motivated them to, you know, like maybe walk in Nipsey's footsteps, yeah, uh, which is really cool. Yeah, no, it, it, it's it's a legacy, and it's a legacy that you know I think that will ring longer. Obviously, it's gonna ring longer than than in his life, but I think he set a path of where. 
like, hey, if you want to do this hip hop thing right, this is the way you do it. This is the way you'll be remembered, as opposed to just like you know the stuff that you do in music. Yeah. So props to him. Rest in peace. Rest in power. Nipsey Hustle. That's right. But um, and on that note, let's talk about some of the newer artists out there dropping this quote unquote Muzak 2019. <laughs> uh, for me. I mean, just kind of get into it. We kind of showed a lot of love towards Ari Lennox last week. Yeah. And it's kind of weird because uh, to me, that's going to be one of my favorite R&B albums of the year, I think, Mm -hmm. just because it's just so infinitely just replayable. Yeah. But um, another album drop, basically, it's the same within like the same two or three days. (laughs) Um, Jamila Woods, um, Legacy Legacy. So she's somebody where she's been kind of like a a standard of what soul music has been kind of feels like like mm. I'll see a lot of like the blogs talk about her and like oh she's a really great artist and yada 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 which is always nice yeah. um, so she always had had the critical acclaim um, this album though is definitely I think a, a step up from her old stuff because it's just really 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 well made well produced um, basically the songs are all named after just um, just names just, just basically I don't want to say pro-black names, but names like, you know, black revolutionary names. It's like, uh, let me see, where is it? Boop. So like, you know, you've got Frida, not, not just black, Zora, Betty, you know, just basically Miles, Muddy. There's famous POCs of the past who've just made an impact and Baldwin. So, and the thing is with this album is I believe she either had, it was, just, I believe it's one producer or it was just basically, it's long story short. It's just, you know, and the flip side of Ari Lennox where it's just a nice little daytime, play the music through, relax kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. With this record, it's a lot more in your face, a lot more soulful, a lot more, you know, there might be a song that's a little bit more blues. It's a little more, you know, it's it's just a just a, a nice, well-crafted R&B album, yeah. soulful R&B album, which, in and honestly, in 2019, seems to be relatively rare, unless you're doing, like, you know, the auntie circuit for Essence Fest. Uh, it's coming back, though. It's coming back. It's coming back. So, you know, and, and there's not much I can kind of say, except for the fact of where it's just really, if you, it's almost like if, you know, Ari Lennox is the kind of album you play, like, you know, if you're cleaning the house, or going on a nice little first date, you know, you know, Jamila Woods is the kind of album you play where and it's just like, you know, you're feeling a certain kind of way where yeah. it is. It's one of those albums that kind of feels like the, it's talking about the world and kind of makes everything kind of seems a little bit brighter than, than it should be. So, you know, props to her. That's what's up. Yeah. That's what's up. Uh, cool. So what I listened to, I think for the past week, week and a half. Um, is uh, the Kevin Abstract Project. Ah, Mr. Brockhampton. Yeah, Arizona Baby. Um, and this is an album that I think people were, a couple people, a couple of my friends were like, hey, you should check this out. It's like, it's really, really dope, really cool. Finally got a chance to check it out like a week and a half ago. And it's been kind of a repeat. It's a really cool, uh, really cool album. Um, and it, you know, it's Brockhampton, you know, the, one of the founding members of Brockhampton, one of the 12, <laughs> 15 out there. Um, and usually, like, I, I think I have very low expectations. And this album is really unique and really cool. Uh, the biggest thing that I noticed from the jump was a production, and he basically worked with Jack Antonoff, oh, wow. um, who's producer for like uh, Fun and Land Land Ray, and like does some stuff with Taylor Swift, and like recruited him to basically like produce a hip hop album. And on paper, that sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, on paper, give me, give me them sultry strings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 
it's really cool because I, I think like, you know, when you do, when you like say bring a hip hop, like an uh, indie rock producer in, it's usually like you're rocking over, like, like rapping over rock loops and stuff, you know, or you're just doing like a Lil Wayne rebirth where it's just like, you don't understand what the essence of rock is in a lot of ways. You, you hired a local, like, you know, bar rock band to come in as session players to come out there and play, you know, their best guitar set to the Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Whereas this album, the production is very much kind of, um, you know, it's, you can see that you can hear the guitar loops and you can hear kind of like this indie rock influence, but they're all kind of like just loops, right? So they took, like, maybe they, they, you know, maybe create like a song and then sample it and then looped it and like made it in like more of a hip hop style, which is really cool. Um, so it sounds indie, you indie rockish, but it does not, you know, it doesn't sound like, like they just try to shoehorn both genres together. Um, so that's the first thing. And then the second thing is like this dude's, you know, Kevin Asterisk is openly gay and he's rapping about openly gay shit. He's rapping about gay sex. Which I think is very interesting for hip hop because, you know, we've had like gay rappers and we've had, you know, so like we have like Tyler the Creator, we have like Frank Ocean, we have these people who are kind of like, I'm homosexual, but I'm not going to go there because, you know, I'm still kind of like protecting myself from my fan base and maybe that mystery is going to, you know, I, I still want to have some mystery around it because like, if I go like full, like out, out there, like maybe I'll alienate people. Cause hip hop is very homophobic. Yeah. Whereas Kevin abstract is like, I don't give a fuck, you know, which is really, it's, it's really cool. Really cool. Really refreshing. Um, and it's another, like just very 2019 album. Um, yeah. You know, there's also like a lot of like depression. There's also like, you know, him growing up gay and like, you know, him, you know, I guess like his teachers like saying like you you won't be shit. Oh wow! You know, like things like that. So he's like getting a lot of stuff out there in this album, and uh, it's just it's it's really cool. It's like it's really open, and really honest, and again, like to top it off, the production is superb on this album. So uh, it's sneaking into my top five. I don't know if it's gonna stay there. Nice, interesting. Um, I'll give it a listen. I, I have like my, my top four. And then my top five has been like rotating <laughs> <laughs> for the past few weeks, uh, but it's definitely one of the highlights of the year. Awesome. So, so I'll give it, a, I'll give it a listen. Yeah, check it out. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. And on that note, we are going to end this week's podcast in preparation of Tyler Week next week. Tyler Creator Week. That's all it'll be about just Tyler, Tyler memes, I Future sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> We'll we'll do our best, you know, Earl impression impressions impersonations basically. But um, yeah, no, um, I, yeah, no, I almost bought that VIP Camp Flognaw. Oh really? Yeah. I I want to go to that show. I feel like, like it's a great, you know, it, it's it's a G, and Oof. but you get a Fender guitar, well, like a actually, custom that's Tyler cool. Fender the that's Fender actually, guitar. Yeah, because that'll be not to be funny. You could definitely put that for the hype beast after the fact. Like. I'm, Real talk. Yeah, real no, talk. Shit. Like, if, if I had that disposable income, uh, I, I, it's like I, I, I almost. If I wasn't married, if I, I didn't have the voice of reason, aka uh, my wife, I probably would cop that. That's why you have to have secret bank accounts so you could, you could just go waste all that money, and then when you know the credit card score drops for both y'all, 
She just stares at you angrily and it's like, what do you mean? I don't know what just happened. Uh, yada, yada, yada. And yeah. on that note, people, thanks for listening. You know what to do. You know what to do. Give us love. Give us hates. Click likes. Give us comments. Give us some stars. And we'll see y'all next week. Peace. Peace.